Delighted to be with you again. Those I haven't met, my name's Ben Terleski. Uh, today we're going to be looking uh, into Luke chapter 15, so if you brought your Bibles, you can open that up. We'll be looking at that passage. You may recall that is the uh, three parables there, parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. So we'll be looking at that together. I want to say a big thank you to the media team and the people that work on sound for helping pull this uh, message outline, and Pastor Matt, too, engaged in it to pull together what you'll see up on the screen there this morning. So thank you all for your work on that, and we'll just trust that it's all coordinated as we go through. <laughs> right on. Um going to tell you a story. We like stories, don't we? This one goes back a few years, quite a few years. You're going to see a picture up on the screen there of a house with a bunch of snowbanks around. Took this picture several years ago. This was a house that uh, my parents bought somewhere in the middle 60s in Regina, Saskatchewan. It was kind of at the end of the trail on Dudney Avenue. It's uh, You knew it was the end of the trail because that's where the bus, the city bus, did its turnaround and went back on its route. And we knew it did its turnaround because that's where we all kind of camped out as paper boys. For some reason, at the end of the route, that's where the the local paper in Regina dropped off the bags or the bundles full of papers. And I was delivering papers at the time. And I still remember as a young lad, some of you can remember this, had a paper bag across here and another one here just loaded, packed full. And off I went, traipsing through whatever the Regina weather threw at us. And while we were waiting for papers, the older boys did crazy stunts. Like they would do the bumper drag, if you know what that was, whereas the city bus was parked there and they'd go and sneak up behind and hold on to the bumper and glide down the trail for a while and let go. I didn't do that. I was a younger lad. I was somewhere in that age eight or something, and so I would watch them as they engaged in that. This picture holds a lot of meaning to me, partly for the memories, but... It's that place that I remember somehow it was the Lord who was seeking me and found me. There were five, there are five kids in our family, my mother and father, and we all lived in this house. And the room I had was somewhere in the basement, somewhere around the hot water tank. And I don't know how my mother ever did it got us off to church, and introduced us to faith in Christ. My father had been injured from a trucking accident somewhere in the middle 60s where he fell off a load of lumber, landed on his head, and broke his neck. He was a quadriplegic for seven years. Our youngest in our family, my brother, was maybe one year old at the time, and somehow she managed to get us to local churches. And through her testimony and that of the local church, I came to understand my need for a Savior. And I placed my faith in Jesus there at a young age, somewhere around eight years old, in the basement of this house on Dudney Avenue at the end of the trail. Well, the trail is longer now, that's for sure, there. But that was an introduction that Christ found me and brought me into the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, and I'm thankful for that. And I want you to know this, that there was a day back there that heaven erupted in joyful praise over another sinner finding the Lord Jesus Christ even at a young age. 
And you know, that's true for all who have wandered and been wandering from God. Heaven erupts, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. Zephaniah talks about that too in chapter 3 and verse 17. says this to a nation that would turn back to God. Zephaniah says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you and catch this, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Do you ever picture God in that way? Jubilant, celebrating over you because you came to him? That's a powerful picture, isn't it? What's the thing you could take away today? If there's one thing you grab onto and you take from this morning, maybe it's this, what you see up on your screen. Our salvation made a huge scene in heaven. It's shown in our text. Luke 15 inspires us to have a celebratory passion for others to find Jesus Christ. That should be our passion in life, is that we want to join with heaven to see others come to faith. Paul said that in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1 where he was talking about his kinsmen, he said, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 10. And listen, our passion. We're busy folks. we got a lot to do. But Paul is reminding the Corinthian church that we keep before us this urgency that others would come to know who Jesus is. He says this in chapter 10 of First Corinthians, he says, starting at verse number 31, So whatever, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, notice this, so that they may be saved. A passion of Paul might it be our passion as well as we go through life. I want to move to our text now. I'm going to read it for you out of the New International. I'm not going to read all Luke chapter 15. We're familiar with the text, I hope. I'm going to read the first two parables and make reference to the last parable as well, a couple of sections out of there. So looking with me, I think it's up on the screen there. I hope it is. In Luke chapter 15, starting at verse number 1 through to verse number 10. Now it's important, please make sure you grab the first two verses because they make a big difference to the rest of the text. So Luke 15 verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. That's Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins 
and loses one? Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jumping down to verse 22, the father speaking in the parable, but the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebration. And dropping down to verse 31 and 32, the father talking to the eldest son, my son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So let me take a couple of minutes and look with you at the first two verses because they're so important. Jesus is noted as associating with a group of people that the religious crowd thought he shouldn't be with. Tax collectors, they weren't welcome people. We won't get into that. And then it uses this word sinners, people that maybe they thought should be avoided. But Jesus made a point to be near them. And it's very important because these two verses help us to get an understanding of what comes next in the parables. So there's several things that are an example for us. Let's grab that together. Let's look at it in the first two verses. The first thing I see is that Jesus knew what his cause was, what his mission is. He was here for a reason. He was here for a purpose. And his purpose was that he knew that he had come to seek persons that were lost. You see, he knew that if you did not have faith in him as the Son of God, you were separate from God, you were lost. And if that's your situation today, you are lost. Luke 19.10, Jesus says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mankind was separate from God. Jesus' cause was to seek and bring salvation, faith, to those who were lost. John chapter 6 is an important text because it says something that Jesus continued to reiterate throughout his mission, his ministry on earth. John 6 verse 38, Jesus says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone, notice that word, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus' purpose on earth, his cause, was to find those who were lost and bring them to faith in him. That's what he was here for. And he says that's what God's will was, that was God's purpose, that's what he came to do. So you say, well, okay, how does this apply to me? Where does it fit for me today? Well, you have a cause as well. You have a purpose that is similar and related to what Jesus's is. In Matthew 
right at the end of Matthew chapter 28. It's a little different though, and I'll tell you why. Matthew 28, right at the end of the chapter, Jesus, prior to ascending into heaven, says this to his disciples. He says, um, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And he says, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. What's similar? The similar is that Jesus came that he would seek out persons who are lost. That too is what he's instructing of us. Go and seek out those who do not know Christ. Well, what's different? It's that Jesus could offer them salvation. I can't. I can introduce them to Christ, but I can't save anybody, neither can you. We're here to introduce people to the Lord Jesus. That's Christ's cause that they, he would seek them. That's why he was with this group of people. He wasn't expecting them to come into the temple or the synagogue. He was expecting that he would go and seek them and that we too would do that. That's an important thing to remember. He offers salvation to all. Second thing is, Jesus was convinced of his mission. He was convinced that all men were lost. He was convinced that none were beyond salvation and that all mankind need a Savior. He was convinced of that. And he was also understanding, as you can see that there was conflict with those around him, he was also convinced that there would be conflict in ministry. Understand that. People will misunderstand you with some of the associations you may enter. That's a reality. People may misunderstand. Go with God's plan. If God is directing you to that, follow God in where he's asking you to identify with. He is the one that saves people. You are the instrument to introduce them to Jesus. That's an important thing for us to remember. Thomas Paine, who I can't say I'm real familiar with, I believe he's a poet, he said this, he who dares not offend cannot be honest. He who dares not offend cannot be honest. Jesus went where God led him to go and there was pushback, but that was the mandate of the Messiah. Last week, uh, there's interesting things we come across. I came across a little cute little thing about Snoopy. You remember Charles Schultz and all them? I think somebody told me his family is now carrying on uh, doing the cartoons. So I think this is Linus. He says this, If it can be destroyed by the truth, it deserves to be destroyed by the truth. Did you get that? If it can be destroyed by the truth, it deserves to be destroyed by the truth. Jesus was convinced of his mission and his calling. Jesus was compelled. Jesus was compelled. What compelled him? One of the biggest things that compelled Jesus, and I hope it's something that compels us as well, is compassion for people. Compassion. 
Jesus is on way. We notice this in Luke chapter 18. He pulls the disciples aside. He says, look, we're headed to Jerusalem. The Son of Man is going to be arrested. He's going to be tried. He's going to be insulted and beaten and crucified. All that's coming. Yet in that mission, while he's going there, on his way going toward Jericho, a beggar confronts him. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out. And Jesus is compelled by compassion to stop. We notice in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is traveling through Jericho on way to Jerusalem, and there is a man who is a tax collector who can't connect with him. Why? Why couldn't he connect? Short on one end. So he finds a way to improvise. He climbs up in a tree. Correct? But what does Jesus do? In Luke 19, Jesus takes note of Zacchaeus and says, come on down, Uh, salvation is coming to your house today. Because of what? Because of compassion. The woman at the well in John chapter 4, he must need go through Samaria. No, there was other routes they might have found, but he says, no, because of compassion, I will meet that woman at the well. That's Jesus. Luke chapter 15, the first verse, with tax collectors and sinners. Why? Because he had compassion for them to find salvation. Fourth thing, Jesus was focused on celebration. I believe that. Remember where Jesus had come from? Heaven, a place of celebration and great rejoicing. And he could hear that ringing in his ears, I'm sure during his years of ministry. And he longed for that with other people. Okay, let's jump into our text now. I want us to talk about, because I see central to this text, this one thing of celebration that keeps showing up. Jesus is focused on celebration. So you see up there, there's uh, the first parable. The character in the parable is not the sheep. Okay, it's not this one sheep. The character is the shepherd, right? Is the shepherd. And he want, Jesus wants us to understand the celebratory character of this shepherd. What was lost was a sheep. Now, he didn't write the sheep off, we see in the text. He didn't just say, well, I got 99. Sorry, you should have stayed home. No, his heart of ownership and compassion is I will find this lost sheep. Remember in the background what's happening is the religious leaders are saying of Jesus, why would he do that? Why would he hang out with these people? Why would he do that? He says, I got a story for you. Now what is a parable? I think we might have missed that slide, but a parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. It's a moral or a spiritual lesson. You might have saw that up there. Okay, so Jesus goes on. Now, I want you to notice here the emphasis on collective rejoicing and celebration. In chapter 15, verse 5 and 6, the shepherd finds the sheep, right? He finds the sheep, and it says here, when he finds them, he puts them on his shoulders, joyfully goes home, and then he calls his friends and neighbors together. Not to ridicule and rebuke the sheep, but to rejoice that that which was lost is found. And Jesus says this. Don't miss it in verse number 7. He says, you got the picture? You understand what the shepherd is doing? He says, in the same way. 
That's what's going on in heaven right now. Wow. And that's what we should be longing for. That's what we should be doing with people is just encouraging him. Say, you know, you can bring great joy in heaven this very moment. He goes on to a story about a woman. Who's the character? The woman. And what happens? She loses one coin. You say, well, that's not a big deal, is it? As we think of coins today, but in this illustration, it's possible that what that coin could have meant a day's wages. Now do the math. You make $25 an hour, suppose, at work. $25 an hour, you work eight hours, $200. Right? So she had 10 coins there. Think how much that meant, how many, wage, how many days and weeks of wages she had in her possession. She didn't trust the bank. She kept them in her pocket or in her closet, wherever it was. Right? That's what was happening. And so here was the money, and she loses one of them. And in a panic, she starts to sweep the house. And when she finds it, verse number 9 tells us, when she finds it, there is great rejoicing. So much so in verse number 9 that she calls her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. And Jesus says, You got that picture? You there with me? He says, Now in the same way, he says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. Last parable he tells is that of a father who loses his son. The son says, Dad, give me the inheritance. You're not dead yet, but give me what you're going to have owing to me. He takes it, and the text the passage in Luke 15 will tell us that he spent it on riotous living. And he came back flat broke, and he says, The servants have more to eat than I do. But the picture here is that when the father sees him, the father joyfully welcomes him, goes to him, and embraces him. And then he says in verse 22 and 23, Look, let's dress him in garments. Let's be quick to put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take that fattened cow and kill it and let us celebrate. Celebrate. And here's the, here's the heavenly lesson, friends, in verse 31 and 32. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What's Jesus saying? He is saying to the folks around him, he says, you're missing the picture. You're looking at these poor destitute people that are tax collectors and sinners, whatever their lifestyle was. You're focused on that. You've got it focused all wrong. You need to be finding the celebration in these people's lives. And the celebration comes when they find the Savior. That's what he's there for. And I I think that's what this passage is about. That's what our passion should be. Celebration. It's great to get together and celebrate with you. It really is. But our passion should be whatever we say and do is find a way to introduce people to Jesus. I want you to remember as you go from this place today that the day you put faith in Christ Jesus, heaven erupted in jubilance. The angels, I don't know, were Baptists. Was there dancing in heaven? If you okay, there was somebody said yeah, we'll go. It was a. I believe my mom's up there dancing. So, 
It was a wonderful time. Every day. I'm going to have to finish with the story and then get going. We occasionally get to attend a church in South Calgary. They're telling us about a work that's going on in Kenya, Africa, where there were women who were engaged in a lifestyle of prostitution and through God's intervention in their life came to faith in Jesus. They've started setting up orphanages. They've started hiring pastors. They've digging wells. They're putting up buildings. And I want to tell you something, that there are communities of people, large parts of the communities, getting saved. So much so that there are reports coming back, something like four or 500 people on a weekend getting baptized. 1,000 people on another weekend getting baptized through faith in Jesus. That is a massive celebration. But understand this, the picture in heaven is far bigger. But let's work toward doing our part to see that celebration on earth here in Airdrie and Alberta. Let's be engaged in that as we go from this place. You made a difference in heaven. They got excited. God's waiting to celebrate over others. Don't give up. Whoever you're working on, not working on, you know what I mean, but ministering to, don't give up. Encourage them. You say, you want to bring a smile to God's face today? This is what brings God delight. You finding his son, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness and grace to us that you reached out to us, found us, and in tenderness as you sought us, we responded to that. And for the picture in the parables that there was great rejoicing, engage us in other people's lives that we too can be instruments to introduce many and find heaven rejoicing over their faith in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us all We praise you for that. Amen.